It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This is Superior Sports Talk with Reggie Wilson and Luke Inman, part of Locked On Sports Minnesota, and it starts now. Back in the lab, Reggie and Luke back at it. Another episode, Superior Sports Talk, presented by Locked On Sports Minnesota. Got Care Eleven's very own Reggie Wilson back with me, so life is good. Great to have you back, Reggie. How you feeling? Great to be back, man. Got my father-in-law married over the weekend, and I'll oh, be back fun. at it talking sports. Yes, sir. Fun show lined up today. We're breaking down the Vikings' offensive tackles and where they rank among the rest of the NFL and the NFC North Plus, talking some twins, and what the second-half game plan needs to look like later. I'm putting Reggie on the hot seat with what does it mean. All coming up on Superior Sports Talk. Remember to follow along on the Lockdown Minnesota YouTube channel. Hit the subscribe button. And on Twitter, smash that follow button at Locked on M-I-N. To football we go. 56 days until week one of the NFL (laughs) season kicks off. ESPN's latest article ranks the 10 best offensive tackles in football. 50 NFL scouts, coaches, front office members huddled up, made their rankings. Fans are still hoping for Brian O'Neill to start, get some credit that he deserves nationally, and he does land on the honorable mentions list here. Alas, no Vikings in the top 10. In fact, just one NFC North tackle made the list. Who else? David Bakhtiari lands all the way at number three, despite missing all of last season with a torn ACL. Reggie, we talk about this offensive line being the major wild card for KOC's success Mm -hmm. and how he can help bring Kirk Cousins to the next level. But when you really boil it down, most of those discussions fall on the interior line with center Garrett Bradbury and the right guard job that's wide open right now. When it comes to the tackles, however... It does feel like there's a lot more optimism and kind of peace of mind, not just for this season, but for the next handful of seasons with two young, talented pieces on the bookends of this Vikings unit. Yeah, you got two guys locked in and Darasaw and O'Neal. And, you know, I think I think next season or after next season, O'Neal probably makes that top 10. Mm-hmm. He, he finally, you know, gets on the radar of some of these national pundits and analysts and he cracks that top 10 next year because I see some some handful of names on here that, you know, m- may not even be on here next year when it when it's all said and done. So, you know, I'm I'm interested to see, you know, how this list looks a year from now. But I think what we're hoping for is that. Darisaw takes another step forward, you know, no more musical chairs with him and Rashad back there, you know, is he going to play? Is he going to, you know, start? Well, okay, is he going to get pulled? And then Darisaw's coming in and, you know, it was just a lot going on and it was a lot to kind of, you know, God bless Kubiak. Okay, he was doing the best that he could. That offense was doing the best that they could, but they were maybe a little bit out of their league when it comes to just trying to make sure the offense was what it needed to be and you know there was there was just a lot of things that it seemed like they were experimenting they were tinkering with and some things worked 
some things didn't, but they just couldn't get to a consistency last year. And I think that was probably the biggest thing because you saw flashes with this offense because the talent is there. You're just like, wow, like they could do so many great things. But then there are also times where you just saw some lulls where you just saw, you know, free guy just running at Kirk Cousins and all he can do is just, you know, clam up and and Mm -hmm. just take the sack. And so I think the the best case scenario for this offensive line is for these bookend dudes to just become those dudes. You know, maybe Darisaw makes the honorable mention next year. Maybe he makes the the top ten next year. Maybe he just shows us a lot. You know, when he got drafted, he was like, look, Kirk, nobody's touching you. And, you know, when you make those type of declarations, it's like, all right, okay, come on with it. You got to bring it. And I think he is capable. I think he is a very talented offensive lineman. But we just got to see him do it on a consistent basis. When it comes to O'Neal, I think he's just going to wake everybody up like, uh, I'm good, y'all. Hello. I'm here. I'm up in the bold north. I know it's cold up here, but y'all have to pay attention. Knock all the the snow off your eyebrows and look up. <laughs> look up north. I'm up here balling. I'm up here pancaking. You know, no syrup. And so I think that's the that's the thing that I look to see next season from this this unit. And they'll they'll figure out the the interior thing. I think this offensive staff is capable enough to figure to figure it out, to to be able to make a declaration, make a decision on a week to week basis without messing with the synergy of the line because you know, back in the day, well, it's really not back in the day, but you know, when Romo was playing, mm-hmm. that Dallas offensive line, oh, whew, oh, like man, and then they, they, they just they like fumbled their way into Lyle Collins, mm-hmm. you know, and then you got Tyron Smith on one side, you got all these like Zach like, Martin, yeah, I all mean. these guys on the inside, and and you're just Cooper, like all these guys just. Pro Bowl players at each position. Mm-hmm. And you're just like, wow, like this is amazing. And the biggest part about that was synergy. Like those guys were starting week to week together. And if the Vikings can get to some level of synergy with five just straight guys, just this is our unit, mm-hmm. I think they could do some damage. Yeah, if I had a few bucks, might throw some money down on the Vikes this year. Well, you can with Dave. <laughs> Tied on cash. Dave is a banking app that can help you get $500 instantly. Download the Dave app. That's D-A-V-E. Sign up for an extra cash account and get $500 instantly. Terms and conditions, go to dave.com slash legal. Instant transfer fees apply. Member FDIC. couple great points I want to touch on. You're right. Kubiak. Boy, a lot of different variables and elements going on. You got Zimmer breathing over your shoulder. Don't turn Mm -hmm. the ball over. Still ended up top 10 offensively in a lot of categories last season, given all that. And really, at the end of the day, I think it's clear. It was never the offense's fault, really, at the end of the day, when you're playing with a defense that ranked 31st one year, 27 two years ago. The talent, you're right, is all there for the molding. And then, as far as these two bookend tackles, I think we've flung out some stats before on Brian O'Neill, over a thousand career snaps, just four sacks allowed. He wow. is one of the most underrated right tackles or offensive tackles for that matter in the entire league. Back to the list here for a second. Here's what's absolutely wild about this thing. 
They're almost all first-rounders. Even the mm-hmm. honorable mention, eight of the ten guys on the list are first-round picks. We talked about linebackers and wideouts and how many of those guys on the list, in fact, weren't taken in the first round. Those are the positions you wait on in the draft if you're a GM. Take risks on high upside guys with the physical tools, the DK Metcalfs, the Tyreek Hills, so to speak, mm. the Stephon Diggs, right? And you take your first round picks. I mean, history has shown us anything. You invest them into the trenches, offensive tackles, defensive ends and edge guys. Maybe cornerbacks would be the third premium position in this pass happy league. You want to spend your early picks on, but no list that we've gone through here on this show has the ratio that equates first round picks to success when it comes to the best players in football like this one. So simply put, you get what you pay for when it comes to drafting offensive tackles. Only Mm -hmm. David Bakhtiari, who many still say benefits greatly from playing with Aaron Rodgers, who's got that ability to manipulate the pocket and escape from Mm -hmm. sacks so well. And Tarrant Armstead, who's all the way at number 10 on the list, were drafted outside the first round. So that's pretty wild. The other thing I got to mention here is yesterday, Reggie, you weren't here, but Sam and I broke down the top 10 guards. Two of mm-hmm. the top five guys in the league, Brandon Scherf and Joe Thune, could have been had in free agency, and you could have turned a weakness into a strength if you just kind of admit defeat and say, yeah, you know what? Okay, we have a hard time drafting and developing these guys, and let's just go out and pay top dollar for one. Well, yeah. on this list, you've got Trent Williams as the number one tackle in the NFL. Do you remember what the Niners traded for Williams from Washington just a few years ago? It was just a third in a fifth rounder for the That's best nuts. tackle in football, man. That's, That's nuts. nuts. So teams in front offices that are willing to trade their day two and day three draft picks for these kind of disgruntled yet highly talented veterans get a huge payoff. And that was another time I can recall Vikings front office just kind of missed out on a huge opportunity by not being aggressive. And sometimes that's the difference between an eight and eight team and a team that can go deep into the playoffs like the Niners have done for the past few years. Last one as we wrap up, quick look at the rest of the NFC North. Bakhtiar at number three, even though he had, didn't play at all last season. O'Neal mm-hmm. and Penny Sewell on the honorable mentions. Just your quick thoughts on the NFC North tackles for both today and kind of the long term. Yeah, I think, you know, I was in Cincinnati and mm-hmm. a lot of fans just thought that Penny Sewell was just like the slam dunk pick. He was going to be the guy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, look at the the struggles for that Bengals offensive line. Like Mm -hmm. Joe Burrow was just coming off the torn ACL. You're just Mm -hmm. like, you have to protect that guy. Mm -hmm. You have to. And here we are a year later, you know, even with the the big numbers that the offensive staff put up, I think they'll still take, you know, Jamar Chase over Sewell any given day of the week. Mm -hmm. But you're still in a situation where you had to sign two offensive linemen because that was still a problem for you guys. And so, you know, you take the good with the bad. But I remember when Sewell got drafted, uh, Brad Holmes, their new GM, he was like like LeBron out there. He was just, yeah, like, you know, like it was just like, you know, he just won the championship or something, I think, you know, for Detroit, you know. Something. Yeah, you take that. You take that. You know, you take the wins with the with the losses. You know, because that that's pretty much like a championship up there. You know, but anyway, um, <laughs> he was so excited about Panay Sewell. So I think he has a a ton of upside, um, and I think they are expecting a, a big leap 
you know, moving forward. I know, you know, he played left tackle in college, right tackle. They moved him to in the NFL. So that was an adjustment and an adjustment when you talk about game speed in the NFL as opposed to college. So he really had a little bit of a learning curve. But I think they are hopeful that he is going to be a guy for them. I think that offensive line of Detroit is going to be solid next season. It's primed, man, to be yeah, really good for yeah. a long time. Yeah, and so uh, I think they're they're going to, you know, when you look at the Vikings, the Lions, and the Packers, I think, you know, between those three offensive lines, you know, throw them in a hat, pull one out, and, and just kind of see what happens. I think there are more question marks with the Vikings on the interior than there are with, you know, anyone else. I know there's probably a question mark. You put David Bakhtiari so high up on that list, but, I mean, He's a big dude. You don't know like how he's going to respond back, what his lateral agility and quickness is going to be after, you know, a, a, a devastating injury like that. So, you know, maybe 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 cool it on the optimism a little bit. But I think, you know, with with their offensive line, um, I think you, you're pretty confident, especially with Rodgers. You know, he's known to kind of manipulate it a little mm-hmm. bit as far as like when he can get the ball out. He doesn't take all that many sacks and all that stuff. So I think you can kind of give a hat tip to the to the offensive line in that regard as well. You know, if your quarterback's getting the ball out quicker, if your quarterback is mobile, you know, sometimes that that's a little bit more of a stamp for the offensive line than maybe it should be. But hey, you know, you take it. Um as opposed to the the Bears. I'm not sure I can name one guy. And I'm an NFL guy. I'm not sure I can name what Cody Whitehair. I think he's still on the team. Yeah, um, Kansas State. Yeah, there's a former Viking who is it on the team. I think he got hurt actually, so he might not. Yeah, be no, no, yeah, he's not. That's not happening. Yeah, <sighs> man, what are they doing, dude? What are they doing? Yeah, <sighs> yeah. I, I just I don't know what's gonna happen in that regard. Mm-hmm. Um, but. You know, God, God bless the Bears. I, I think it's going to be, you know, they're going to be rearing back when they play them. Like, okay, Justin, you can run, right? Because we're coming chasing after you, brother. Yeah, it'd be one thing, like, if you didn't have your young quarterback for the future that you're trying to groom, and it's like, no, we're just building all the defense right now, or we're building weapons uh, around the quarterback position, and then we're going to go get the court. They already have their quarterback. It's in year two, and they got no help around Justin Fields. Back to Detroit real Dakota, quick. Dakota Dozier is who Dakota you're, Dozier, you're thinking about. Dakota Dozier, thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he yep, was, yep. But he's done like with a knee injury. Right, and, and that's not really a big household name anyways. But back to Detroit. I think they got the best, young, most talented offensive line. Why? They went out and invested three first-round picks. Taylor Decker, Frank Ragnow, and now Penny Sewell. Jonah Jackson in the middle. And then you hope just one younger, maybe day three kind of draft pick or UDFA can kind of step up and, and you find a diamond in the rough there. But they got what they paid for. And they're going to be really good for a long time. Packers, as you mentioned, what a huge advantage when you're building a team and roster and your offensive line specifically to be able to get away with third, fourth, fifth round guys because right? you got a guy like Aaron Rodgers that besides maybe Brady, nobody manipulates the pocket, gets the ball out quicker, and escapes pressure and creates plays outside the pocket on the run better than mm-hmm. Aaron Rodgers. So is David Bakhtiari the David Bakhtiari that we know 
not in Green Bay, if he's playing for the Chargers or if he's playing for the Rams, is he the same guy? I tend to, right. I, I don't think so. But, you know, again, Bakhtiari, fifth-round guy, John Runyon, Josh Myers, Elton Jenkins, I think their highest draft pick. He was a late second-rounder. He's been phenomenal mm-hmm. for them. What a huge advantage for them. Again, I think the Vikings, like you mentioned, they got their two bookend first and second-round offensive tackles for the future. By the way, too, Ezra Cleveland quietly being graded out as a really good young left guard right now, too. Hopefully he Mm. takes another step. And then for those last two interior positions, center, right guard, think about it on paper. You've got a first-rounder in Bradbury, a second-rounder in the guard they took this year from LSU, and then a third-rounder in Wyatt Davis. you got three top third-round picks. All you need is two of those guys to kind of flip the switch and pan out for you. So the talent is there for coaches. They just need to figure out how to mold these guys and and put them in the best positions to go out and play. Last quick thing, Mm -hmm. tough for me as a draft guy to see Rashawn Slater after just one year already on the list as the fourth best tackle in the NFL because the Vikes were hoping he would fall to them because they were going to take a tackle no matter what. And he almost did. If he would have got past the Chargers, no other team between the Chargers and Vikes were going to target a tackle. He gets sniped by the Chargers. Vikes take Darius, obviously, who could still be a really good solid player. But to be so close to an absolute elite blue chip guy, it kind of stings a little bit. Pretty cool to see these rankings. Get some healthy debate going. We want to hear from you. Go comment on the YouTube channel. Let us know what you think. 56 days until week one of the NFL season. Vikings training camp nearly one week away Until then, Reggie and I got you covered every step of the way. All right, to baseball we go. Your Minnesota Twins live in fans' worst nightmare right now. 27-16 and start. But since then, they've gone sub-500 the rest of the way. Watch their lead in the division disappear again. Reggie, let's talk trades here because the deadline is quickly approaching. It's no secret this team needs to go out and make a move for a pitcher, whether that's a starter or reliever or maybe both. When it comes to the front office wheeling and dealing here, where do you stand right now? What does this need to look like for them to be competitive in the second half? Bullpen. Bullpen. Or just pitching in general, like whatever you can do to get some pitching in there. Mm-hmm. You know, we talked to Rocco a couple weeks ago about um, what to do with Miguel Sano. And, you know, he's coming in and, and he's, you know, in AAA doing his thing and all that. But it's just like, look, like they fared re- like very well without him. And now you bring them back. And, I, you know, most teams will look at it like a luxury. But now, you know, you kind of really don't want to mess up the vibe with some of the guys who are really just kind of doing their thing. You know, you got Kirilov there. You got Miranda's been playing out of his mind mm-hmm. ever, ever since he got called back up. And there's going to be a little bit of a problem there, I think, when you when you talk about bringing Sano back. You know, who has a a pretty dynamic bat when he's not, you know, striking out and all that good stuff. But, like, the problem is, do you value him over some pitching when you know that some better pitching can take you over the hump? You know, that was a crazy way to end the the last series before the All-Star break. Probably didn't give fans a a good taste in their mouths after that. Yeah, I don't Um, expect attendance to be up here much uh, in the next few weeks here as they get back and rolling in that second half. Yeah, but as we've seen with the Twins, 
this season, they've had some slumps and come out of them and and really just kind of hit the ground running. So, you know, you never count them out, even if they have a, a bit of a slump. So I'm interested to see what happens with all of this. The issue with the Twins is how much they value Sano's bat over mm -hmm. getting some pitching help that could really put them over the top because they are one of the most talented teams in baseball. But because of some of the pitching issues and some of the, the lulls, you know, sometimes you're going to need pitching to carry you in a game. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if you're getting beat 11 to nothing or, you know, whatever the case may be, that's not helping you, you know, because even with as talented as the bats are, sometimes they just don't show up. And it's not like something that happens often, but, you know, even the bats have a bad day. But, like, you can't have more bad days in the pitching than you do in the bats because you just can't overcome that. And so they are going to have to find a way to add some pitching. And I think it could come in the form of, you know, just dangling Sano out there. I, I know you don't want to give him up for, for nothing. And I know he is a valuable member of the team. And he could provide a spark, but it's just like, okay, if you like him, I'm just trying to think of like who they could give up like right now and get some help in the pitching without really feeling it, you know, because right without really mortgaging the future, yeah, giving away a young yeah, for prospect. Yeah, it's exactly. Tough. Exactly. Cause you don't want to get, get, you know, too far ahead of yourselves just to win now and now all of a sudden your future is a little hazy because, you know, you already have Royce Lewis coming off back-to-back -back knee injuries and you don't know what's going to happen with Carlos Correa. So it's just like, look, I get going all in on the present, but you still want to have a, a, a good season next year and the year after that. You know, you would hope that this season wouldn't be just a blip. You know, you're like, wow, the Twins were really good in, in that 20 – 22 season and then all of a sudden you know they just went back down to being terrible the seasons after that like you want to have su sustained success mm -hmm. and you do that by keeping some of those elite level prospects that you have in the organization yeah. but right now they do need some pitching help in the worst way twins still the odds on favorite to win the division but not by much anymore check out all the mlb future odds with bet online bet online your number one source for all your betting needs stats news and info bet online makes betting easy go to betonline.net today to learn more that's betonline.net it's where the game starts we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed 93 percent of employers agree indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. You bring up a really interesting point I want to ask you about because, mm -hmm. you know, when it comes to making a, a move for the Twins, here's my question. 
why does it always feel like when we get to this point in the season and the trade deadline approaches for any team, we talk about teams and the blueprint or they're under the assumption that it has to be for a guy who is only going to help you now in this mm-hmm. second half of the season. Why aren't teams trying to shop for guys like a Chris Paddock, just for example here, that's not only going to help you at the end of this second half of the season, hopefully go on a run, but should be able to help you for another two, three years where you're protected if it doesn't work out this season and you mm-hmm. don't make the World Series. Then it's not a complete failure of a trade. I think when you look at the team and you're like, what do we need? Like, mm-hmm. I think from a, a fan perspective, you're like, give us a pitcher who can come in here and, and like mow it down, like mm-hmm. bring them up, sit them down. Like they need some right. people that will just get some outs <laughs> and help the team sustain some of these leads that they build or keep them in the game, keep them close enough so that maybe a one pop of the bat you're talking about something that can win it for you. And I think it's tough, especially this season after you have seen them giving up Taylor Rogers for Chris Paddock and then not working out right now. You know, I think next season and seasons after when, you know, the, the twins still have that, that control of his contract and, you know, maybe he's pitching a lot better and doing his thing. And, you know, maybe you're just like, oh, wow, this trade worked out well, you know, and, it, and it's all good. Nobody nobody really cares. But, you know, there is, you know, when you think about it, if you're a, a, a bad bullpen away from really competing in the AL and you're, you know, coming, coming down the line a, a few la- uh, seasons later, you're just like, Dang, man, I feel like 2020 was really that season. Yeah. But but we just did not have the pitching that we needed to. Like we would have we would have been able to do it, man. You know, it's just like if the the Wolves hadn't swung for Rudy Gobert and, you know, they just stood pat with these same guys. Mm -hmm. And you're just like, dang, man, like I feel like 2022 playoffs was the best time for us to really do it we were playing really well but we just couldn't rebound we just didn't have the the guy that could come in there yeah we didn't have that guy and it's just like a lot of times you're just looking at the guy you're like look i'm not thinking about the future i'm not thinking about you know this or that because the future is fleeting you know you're one bad injury you know you don't want to waste a good season of byron buxton Mm-hmm. You know, like if, mm-hmm. if Buxton stays relatively healthy over the rest of the season and the Twins either don't make the playoffs or they get bounced in the first round of the playoffs again, you're you're upset. And so I think that's the thing that you kind of have to balance. Like, OK, like I, I still want our future to be good, but like we have to capitalize on this window because this particular window this season may close just like that. You don't know if Correa is going to come back. You know, like you got the the pieces in place. You got to take advantage right now. Well, ask Twins fans and they'll tell you, especially when it comes to the Polads, the pocket protectors, this front office, Levine, whoever it may be. It's always, well, we don't want to mortgage too much of the future and we want to make sure we got sustainability. Well, 
They've been saying that for 20 years. I mean, mm. when is the year finally going to come where it's, it's like, okay, let's push the chips and just go for it this year? Because for mm. the last 20 years, that's always been the case. They play small ball. They build through their farm system. They don't make the big trade and give up the big name and mortgage the future. Well, eventually, you have to say, okay, maybe this is the year we're close enough. Let's make the big move, even if that costs us a year or two down the road. Because over the last 20 years, maybe even longer, They've just never pulled the trigger. So eventually that time has to come. And I, I think you're right. Maybe that window is right now with guys like Correa, healthier Buxton, things like that. Nice mm -hmm. six-day break, rest for the Twins during the All-Star break. They need it when they come back. They start the second half, seven games on the road with Detroit, Milwaukee, and San Diego. Home run derby last night. All-star game tonight in L.A. We're keeping tabs on Buxton and our eyes, no doubt. Rest assured, Reggie and I got you covered this week to break it all down. All right, time has come. Favorite segments here. I'm putting Reggie on the hot seat, covering all the latest hot topics in Minnesota sports called What Does It Mean? First one up, ESPN broke down the NBA Summer League with some superlatives, and it went, came to most fun to watch players players. Timberwolves rookie Josh Minot landed on the list of three with Kenny Lofton Jr. and mm -hmm. Matt McClung. The article noted Minot's above-the-rim finishes and blocks made him a must-watch and earned him a full NBA deal as a second-round pick. What does it mean for the T-Wolves' present and long-term plans with the rookie who feels like a safe bet to have a role in the Timberwolves' plans in 2022? So, okay, here's the thing. It's summer league. That's True. why I was I was just like, okay, guys, we get it. Like the the Chet Holmgren agenda all mm. throughout summer league was. That was wild. I was like, okay, Chet Holmgren you guys. propaganda all around me. Yeah, I'm just like, okay, guys, we get it. Okay, but wait until he gets in the game against Giannis. You oh, know, no. wait until he has to guard Anthony Davis. Mm -hmm. You know, like. Can we just cool it a little bit, okay? Like, he's an exciting young player, and I'm excited to watch him play. He does some really great things on the court. I think he is the realization of maybe, you know, what people thought Porzingis could be if if he really, like, reached his potential. I think he has a high upside, but it's just mm -hmm. like, come on, guys, let's cool it, like, because – you know, all the praise that you're getting, the minute he gets posterized, all of a sudden Bleacher Report is going to be putting all those emojis and all that, like, you know, Giannis caught a body or, you know, whatever the case may be. So when I look at Minot, he was drafted as kind of like a developmental guy because he only played a year at Memphis and some thought that he could have stayed at Memphis and really just kind of developed his game a little bit more. Well, thankfully for him, you know, he bet on himself, took a chance on himself play really well in summer league and and parlay that into a, a nice little deal for himself that he wouldn't have gotten had he stayed in college. So That's true. kudos yep. to him for that. But like, okay, he showed, he showed some flashes with a shooting ability. Athleticism is out of this world. Like the dude is, is, you know, six, eight, you know, I, I he's blocking shots you Great know, he's wingspan. dunking out yeah. of the gym. Yeah, yeah, like the dude is, is yeah, 6'11", wingspan. Like the dude has some talent. But it's another it's another level when you talk about, you know, because he's a wing player. You think about some of the, the best wings in the league. You think mm -hmm. about Kevin Durant. You think about LeBron James. Mm -hmm. You know, when you're when you're thinking about guarding some of those guys – 
you're like, well, I don't know if I trust him just yet. <laughs> Not yet. You know, going up breeze. against those going up against those guys. Like, I don't know about that just yet. Just calm it down a little bit. But I, what I do think is, you know, in some of these games where, you know, and not like garbage time, but, you know, maybe not a high leverage situation. Or maybe, you know, you're just like, okay, let's let's get them some good minutes in there. And, and you know, you just hope that the, the plus minus works out on your side when he's in there and when he's out there. You know you're going to get maximum effort. If nothing else uh, from these summer league games you saw – the dude hustles, mm-hmm. and he has a fire about him. Like, I really like his energy and his spirit. But it's just kind of hard to translate that to the next level when you're playing against guys who are also hoping to get on in the league and guys that, you know, a, a big amount of guys that are probably going G League or, or you know, may not even make the, the final roster when it comes down to it for the start of the season. All right, that's a wrap. Back here tomorrow, breaking down more Twins, Vikings, and plenty more. Remember to like, rate, review, and subscribe to the YouTube channel. Join us every day for another episode covering all the biggest topics in Minnesota sports. He's Reggie Wilson. Follow him on Twitter, at ReggieWilsonTV. And every day on CARE 11, I'm Luke Inman on Twitter, at Luke underscore Spinman. Tune in tomorrow to Superior Sports Talk, part of Locked on Sports Minnesota. For Reggie, I'm Luke. Until tomorrow. Signing out. Be blessed. Spread love this week. This is Superior Sports Talk with Reggie Wilson and Luke Inman, part of Locked On Sports Minnesota. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. 